Live from the San Fernando Valley, it's the Nighttime Show. As always, Matt Walker is here. I'm your host, Stephen Kramer Glickman. And today, our guest, this guy is a legend. I'm a huge fan, been a huge fan for a very, very, very long time. Grew up watching him, uh, constantly dressed like him when he was on the show. Parker Lewis can't lose. Loved him on uh, SG... Uh, SG Stargate SG One, which was a huge, huge show, and of course he is currently in the film Rotten Tail, which I am going to the premiere of this week. Very excited, ladies and gentlemen, Corin Nemec, everyone. Oh yeah! Uh, it's sir. hard to applaud when I didn't use a mic stand, so otherwise I would, appla- I would be applauding, but You'd I can't. Be, that I look, I tried to do my best, Mike Black. It was not, uh, it wasn't perfect. It was. Eh. I, I thought it was amazing. I Thank was you, sir. Impressed. I appreciate I was very, that. Very, very impressed. Deal. Yeah. Um, I, I did a little uh, looking back in in history. And this is one of the things I love about uh, Twitter and the internet and things. Uh, I uh, I tweeted you. Um, <laughs> I tweeted you July of 2013. Oh my lord. Just imagine if somebody said in 1986 like I tweeted you the other day. Like how dirty would that sound? Yeah, well, well like <laughs> well when I was a when when like Matt, when you were a kid back in the 1940s, um and you <laughs> yes. wanted to, you know, say you were a fan of Andy Griffith or something, you'd have to write a letter you put mm-hmm. it in the mail and you'd send it to like a fan club or something like this. If you wanted I did to, that. If you wanted to send dick pics or something like that, you actually had to go to someplace and have them. Unless Developed. you had a Polaroid, right? Yeah. You could take a That's, nice yeah, Polaroid. Take a Polaroid. The then you'd have to dro- drop it in the mail, <laughs> right? Send it to somebody. I mean, it would take weeks for somebody to get it. it completely. A, what if? What if halfway there you suddenly went, "Oh my god, what did I do? No, yeah, there's no, yeah, yeah there's I mean, nothing you, there's you nothing can't get you can out of it. Yeah, like I did write. Fan letters to baseball players back then. Like Did I remember, really? I sent something to Nolan Ryan. He sent me back an autograph. Oh my god! Back in the day, that's well, pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty. Good. I don't know whatever happened to it, but I had a Nolan Ryan autograph when I was like twelve. Well, uh, okay. So in uh, July of 2013, I wrote on Twitter. In junior high school, I took all my fashion cues from Parker Lewis can't lose. So I guess I can blame at. I am Coronemic for all the times I got my ass kicked. <laughs> and you liked the message. And it was like it was so it was so crazy to me that I'm surprised that, I didn't reply to that one. That was a good one, but I was just getting out of surgery and all kinds of stuff during at, at that time period. Well, but, you uh, you replied to another one at some point and That's a good one. You, when you replied, <laughs> I called uh, my best friend from elementary school, yeah, uh, from the sixth grade. This guy named David Hurley, who uh, is a uh, he's a he works at at a hospital in Michigan. He's a very very nice guy, and a real real sweet guy. And him and I and one other guy were like obsessed with Parker Lewis can't lose in nineteen ninety. We're talking nineteen ninety one one ninety one. Uh, which I believe is second season. Uh, we well, first, first yeah, season. I guess first season probably officially started in in ninety one because well, it started airing in ninety one. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We so we we uh, we went from ninety one to ninety three. I think because ninety three is the last year that it was actually on air for that that tragic third season. Oh, but <laughs> well, this so at the time this this show 
which is so weird to think, you know, like uh, that life can affect people in such strange and bizarre ways. But so this show comes out and I'm like a kid who wears like Hawaiian shirts to school and like stuff like this. Right. I'm like, I, I, well, I went through a Hawaiian shirt phase. It was. I, yeah. And, well, <laughs> they can be fun phases. It's a fun phase. Um, you, it's more of a, you, you do a Hawaiian shirt. It's a Matthew McConaughey thing. Oh. I do, I do, I do a Hawaiian shirt. It's like fat guy gave up face. Like it's, oh. it's Gabriel Iglesias. No, it's, it's yeah. retirement in the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah. It's Horatio Sands. It's Horatio Sands. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. not, it's not a great look for, for me to do a Hawaiian shirt. And I have a couple, but I, I shouldn't wear them. Uh, point, the, the point, next but, step is the Tommy Bahama face. Oh no, no, I can't get into oh, that face. Yeah. You, well, that's, that's when you have to wear sandals with socks. Oh. Just listen to nothing but Jimmy Buffett all yeah. day long. Yeah, I kind of want to go through that phase. Yeah, you gotta um, have one of those. We gotta have one of those uh, <laughs> those safari hats that has like the screen around the the center of it, so oh. it, so the air gets so the in there. Air gets you know in. what I mean? Mm-hmm. This is a yeah. nice look. Yeah, this is a way pe- some people live this way. But you also have to ha- you have to have some kind of boat with at least two or three engines on the back. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. Sometimes it's not even it's a fishing boat, but you know ne- you never fish. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And you have to listen to Kokomo by the Beach Boys on a loop. Oh, basically. yes, of course. <laughs> Way down to Kokomo. <laughs> so, um, so six grades coming to an end, and I remember reading somewhere that once you go off to a new school, you can kind of reinvent yourself and kind of. And you know, I was about to go into junior high school, and uh, and that and that I was like, that's the plan. I'm going to go to the store, and I'm going to buy the type of clothes that. I would want to wear and I'm going to show up at junior high school as the guy that I want to be not the guy that all these kids I've grown up with right. know me as I got it I went off to junior high with like no one that I went to to elementary right. school with so I was like I'm going to go into seventh grade I'm a brand new person no one fucking knows me this is going to be golden so new I year, go new me new year new me <laughs> literally I go to the store and what do I find at like Robinson's May but silk shirts? Oh, okay, perfect. with paisleys, all sorts oh, of paisleys. bizarre I the paisleys. Oh yeah, they had the swirls. They had there was like the Van Gogh looking ones with the triangles everywhere. Mm-hmm. Man, I got my dad to my dad or my mom to buy me like a bunch of those shirts <laughs> and big giant like black Elton John sunglasses. I had a mullet oh. with lightning bolts shaved in the side of my oh, head. Oh, you were ready to go. Oh, man. I Dude. showed up at junior high school and these kids at my junior high school in Encinitas, California were like what the fuck is that? What am I looking at? <laughs> and then proceeded to, you know, just kick the shit out of me repeatedly. But but in my, but to me, it was like, well, I'm dressing the way this is what cool people dress like. This is the outfit. Well, in Encinitas, you might have been a little far out for, for, for Encinitas. If I had been wearing I think that back then, in Los were... Angeles, in Hollywood, maybe, maybe Hollywood High... Right. No, you'd have been been fine. You'd have been totally fine. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. No, you would have been totally fine. Uh, You know, know. for sure. You'd have been you'd have been completely (laughs) accepted. But Encinitas, I mean, you might as well have been in, you know, in Kansas or Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. There was no it was very. uh, Yeah. They they did not. There was like one black guy at our whole school. Right. You know, and he was like he had the worst time. He had. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And I was the only Jewish kid. 
at my junior high school that was out of the closet as a Jewish person. <laughs> right, right, like, yeah, yeah. And when I said... Like, like you I actually say, admitted that you were Jewish. Oh, I was walking around going like, I can't wait, I'm having my bar mitzvah. And everyone was like, kill him! You know? <laughs> like, they were like, what are you talking about? Are you an alien? Like, they had no idea what I was talking about. And then I'd come up to the other Jewish kids at my junior high and be like, hey! They're like, they're like shh, they're like, get, yeah, the fuck, they're, get the fuck away, get the fuck away! <laughs> like, oh, my cover! Yeah, that kid's so weird, man, he trying to crash my Christmas party, you know, and you're like, you're like we go oh, to God. we go to Hebrew school together. Uh, it, was, it was weird, yeah, it was it was, it was like time. living it was like living in pre World War like just before the war started in Berlin. You yeah, know I mean? you're like, very <laughs> strange time period. They so, stuck one of those stars on you and stuff. Like right. made you, yeah, it was good bad. God, it was a very bad yeah. school. It was similar. I mean, when I was in I lived in Atlanta just before I moved to Los Angeles, uh, and I was at Sandy Springs Middle School, and it was similar. I mean, you could count. Uh, you, the, the, those who, who weren't Caucasian, you could pretty much count the entire three grades worth of people on like two hands that weren't actually Caucasian, you know? And oh, so yeah. coming from there to LA where it was the opposite at Walter Reed junior high, I was like, Oh my God, it's, I'm the only, I'm the, I'm the only white kid here. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, like but, Matt, Matt grew up in Whittier. Pico Rivera. Pico Rivera. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And yeah. You Whittier. Were, you yeah, were the you only go. white kid at your school. Weren't only you? redhead. Yeah, that's for only? sure. Yeah. It was uh, me and my sister were the redheads. But, out of uh, 3,000 students at our high school. Well, we had, oh it was during God. when Duran Duran had come out and stuff. And so mm-hmm. these two kids had moved uh, to Sandy Springs from Denver, Colorado. They were brothers and they were really good looking guys, but they were full Duran Duran out. Like their outfits, everything, their hair. So and great. they looked cool. They looked so cool, you know. But I mean, we're wearing like Iron Maiden t-shirts and and you know like uh, camouflage pants with with rat tails and <laughs> right. you know what I mean. <laughs> right, dipping yeah. in class, that kind of thing. Oh yeah. And so they showed up, and it was just like I mean, they got absolute hell from from <laughs> the locals at that school. <laughs> yeah. They were like, they're just like, they were like, what are yeah. you aliens? What planet did what you come from? I was trying to blend in by uh, wearing was, Rude Dog. Oh, we all wore rude and, uh, dog. and hypercolor. Was the was oh, the other one. hypercolor was so great. Um, okay, <laughs> you, you so might bring it back. I could see you bring hypercolor. I could back. bring hypercolor back. I could see you do it. Except you would wind up with like sweaty pits oh, that would be a different color hurtful. than the rest of the shirt. That's my but prediction. Part of but being true. hypercolor. Yes. That was part of the fun of the shirt. <laughs> you walk around thinking you're so cool, and then you've got like orange armpits. <laughs> um, Okay, so Corin, uh, your your career starts out as, according to IMDb. Do you know mm-hmm. what your IMDb says your first uh, your first gig was? Uh, it would have it have to either be Sidekicks or it is Sidekicks. It is sidekicks. You are right. Yeah. You are right. So um, it goes like in order. It goes Sidekicks, Webster. And then Tucker. Yeah, that's reverse. It should be Sidekicks, Tucker, then Webster. So how does Sidekicks compare fine. to Three Ninjas? Was there like a rivalry between those two? Um, I, I, oh, Sidekicks. Okay. Oh, well, well I mean, Sidekicks, Sidekicks was, a was television show. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was very early. Uh, yeah, this very is very on, like because that was the karate show, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, no, yeah. This is a Sidekicks was an ordinary cop tutors a young boy who oh, insists on helping never him. Mind. In his cases, uh, well, I'm incorrect. That was yeah, Ernie oh, Reyes Jr. Okay. and, yeah. and, and Gil yeah. Gerard. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but 
So, so is it is the is it in order? Would it be uh, sidekicks then Tucker then Webster? That's what it should mm-hmm. be. I, unfortunately, it doesn't read right. But when I got yeah. done with with Tucker, I was fine. I you know anybody who came off of a Francis Ford Coppola film in the mid eighties, yeah. you yeah. know you you know you you were kind of hot shit. And that's that a great time. movie. It's yeah. a great film. And so there was a you know I, I was able to really start auditioning for some from some really good stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And then um, then my agents got you know this this offer in for me to do Webster the last and it turned out to be the last season of Webster playing Nikki Papadopoulos the move-in cousin or whatever Mm -hmm. and I was like I just finished a movie with you know Francis Coppola and Jeff Bridges and Mart Landau and you know all these people and I'm like I I don't I don't want to do that and uh and then they said, "Well, this is what we'll pay you every week." And I was like, "That's an unheard of amount." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure. And so, uh, I mean, it How's was. How's it going, cousin it's Alex? Nothing what they, it's nothing compared to what they pay people today for, you know, series regulars and stuff. But still, it, it was uh, it was an unheard of amount for me coming from uh, from uh, Georgia out of and nowhere. How old were you at that time? Uh, 13, 14, 14 Okay, years so you're old. still sort of on was like the family, kids' rate. Was your family here with you? Uh, yeah, my well, I moved to Los Angeles. My mom was in the music business when I was growing up. She was a graphic. Hold on one sec, guys. Uh, for some reason, your mics both just dropped, and I don't know why. Can you check your switch? Make sure it's still switched on, and you're switched on. Oh no, I accidentally clicked mine off. Okay. Testing, testing. Okay, Stephen. Mine. Can you hear me? Oh, now I can hear you. Okay. Okay, let's pick that back up, and I'll cut it in. So ask him again. Uh, uh, I had asked him how old he was, and you said something else at that point. I forget what it was. So, oh, okay, all right, yeah. So, did you come out to Los Angeles with your family? Yeah, my my mom was actually she was in the music business when I was when I was growing up. Uh, she was a graphic designer, and uh, she did uh, basically the poster designs for bands that were coming through Atlanta for a big promotional company called Standing Room Only, which was like one of the biggest promotional companies in Atlanta. And uh, so growing up, I mean, I was I saw everybody. I mean, uh, everybody back then, you know, I mean, Hall and Oates and Jay Giles Band and Leonard Skinner and, and Asia and Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. And I would get to go backstage, me and my sister, and we'd hang out back there and meet oh all God. these, you know, all, cool. all these rock stars. And like stuff. All, all the stars and, that uh, play the county fair circuit now. Yeah. Back when they were cool. Well, so oh, the yeah. same the, the the company that did all the big shows, the promotional company, they used to own a um, like it was probably like a maybe like a twelve hundred uh, not seat, but you know twelve hundred capacity bar called the Agora Ballroom, which was a huge place for bands to play sure. on a smaller level. And we, and we she took us there to see Prince before his first album came out. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. Oh so, my god! Yeah, before his first album came out when we were when we were quite little. So uh, and then she ended up working for the Nederlanders, uh, which owned the Fox Theater in Atlanta, yeah, and started sure. doing huge. Play, huge, yeah, play poster design for the Fox here in Atlanta. And then transferred to the Pantages Theater Whoa. here in Hollywood, you know, in around 1985 or so. So that's how we ended up in Los Angeles. And my dad was already living out here at the time. He 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 had uh, started out as an architect in Arkansas, where I'm from, and then uh, then had had moved out to LA and got with an architectural firm in Los Angeles in the late 70s and then uh, when that firm folded he knew he had some buddies that did set design and stuff in the film business so he ended up getting uh, into set design and then uh, art director he was art director on Goonies for instance and oh uh, and then went on to be a production designer on a bunch of films uh, oh pa- God, uh, you so know cool. uh, Patriot Games The Saint The Shadow Twister Holy uh, crap. Ironclad wow. a bunch of, bunch wow. of films yeah 
Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so great. So so they were supportive. Your family was supportive of you. Getting Very supportive, actually. Oh, yeah, so re- really, really supportive. And, uh, you know, that, that, that was a huge plus uh, for sure. And... Um, uh, it 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 certainly helped me to be able to succeed. I mean, really, really, it was all m- mostly my idea and everything. I met a kid in uh, junior high in my graph. I was taking a graphic arts class at Walter Reed Junior High, and I met this uh, this other this other young actor named uh, David Van Gorder, who was really famous at that exact time for being Waldo in the Hot for Teacher video by Van Halen. Oh yeah, oh, my and God. so uh, we became pals, and he was in a, an acting class called Center Stage L.A. Uh, which was uh, the artistic director was a guy named Kevin McDermott, and it happened to be a very, very reputable um, children's theater company. And uh, and so I went and you had to audition for it, you know. So I yeah. went and auditioned for it, and he accepted me. And I was like, well, now that you accepted me, I actually can't really afford the class. <laughs> so he was like, I'll give you, you know, a six-month scholarship, you know. So yeah. he let me study there six months basically for free. And then, then we had our first um, we had our first showcase where agents and managers agents and managers would flock to his uh, his his classes uh, for showcases to find new talent because he was so good at what he did. He was really really he used a lot of improv to get um, young actors really comfortable on stage and stuff like that. You know. Yeah. And uh, and then I I mean I signed with uh, my my first agent Abrams Rubeloff and Lawrence. You know, within like six uh, six months or so of having just started acting and then. And the first audition I went on was for a uh, Suzuki motorcycle commercial, and I got the job. Uh, Paul Ventura casting actually that Paul Ventura cast me in a number of commercials when I was young. I love and it. so I got the I got that, and it, it was a uh, it was um, a uh, commercial for the Super Bowl. I think it was 1985 Super Bowl or something when it came out. And so my uncle was down in the Caribbean on vacation and uh, and watching the Super Bowl. And suddenly, you know, he's at the local bar and he's like. Hey, that's my nephew. Everybody's like, oh, this guy's crazy. You know, he's cut off. Yeah, he's cut off. No more, no more drinks for you, pal. That's so and great. Yeah, yeah, it was a trip. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. So then it just it just went on from there. You know, where, where did you go to high school? Did you go to? Uh, uh, I went to I went from school? Walter Reed to North Hollywood High School, and then partway through eleventh grade, I transferred to because I started I started working so much, it didn't make sense uh, to to fail out of of PE yeah. because I couldn't make it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, totally. And so uh, so I that's why I failed PE also. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's why. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> Um, well, fortunately, at Walter Reed, they used to have a, a, a group called the Donkey Squad, which was uh, the, the kids that didn't want to dress out for PE. Yeah. And we would just get stuck on a bench somewhere. And we just like, they'd be like, oh, you guys can't use the weights or you can't, you get last pick of the basketball courts. And we're like, <laughs> we don't want to play anyway. So yeah. that's have fun. When, yeah. That's when I was getting into like, you know, I was really into graffiti art and stuff like that. So like the Donkey Squad was like the training ground for being a, a graffiti artist and tagger because everybody in the Donkey Squad was either a gangbanger or a graffiti artist artist or like some kind of hesher or stoner who oh, his so hair was so long he'd step on it every time he'd try to get off the bench you know yeah but uh, it was pretty hilarious oh my god hey matt uh before we continue the show um let, let me ask you a quick question matt when you're getting down with the ladies you uh you you uh you uh you uh 
lubing it up? Are you uh, lubing it up, Matt? You have to. You sometimes you got to get your lubes on. Uh, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. Um, the biggest problem I think for most people is that you know lube it goes everywhere, especially when you're it's dark. You know, it's in the middle of the night. Gets all over. It gets all over the place, and that is that's no fun for nobody. Which is why uh, I always say you should use lube light. That's right, lube light uh, lets you pop its cap for an instant illumination. Wow. That's incredible. So you just open it up and then you've got a light? You got a light built in. It'll any lube will work in this uh, in this bottle. It is a, you, you grip it, flip it, squeeze it, fill it up, and I'm telling you right now, bam! You got a lube light. You pop its cap at, for instant illumination, and uh, then lube gets applied wherever you you want it applied, not where it wants to go. That's right. You're in charge of the lube now. Uh, also, uh, you know, uh, you can keep the light on while you're getting uh, while you're getting down to clown. Uh, and that ambient light, it's very nice. It's never blinding, and uh, and especially while you're grinding. So, uh, I mean, don't take it from me, Matt. Don't take this advice from me. Take it from uh, a satisfied customer. Lube Light has changed everything in the bedroom for me. I used to always just be worried about making a mess. Half the time, I couldn't even find it. But with Lube Light, I'm always guaranteed a hole in one. <laughs> That's why you should try LubeLights.com. LubeLights.com. We're talking about lube, folks. LubeLights.com. All right, let's get back to the show. Um, so what was it like going to school in North Hollywood high? Like when you're tr- like, like in, in that time period of like well, trying to, you know, get it, you're getting out there. Yeah, was there I mean, other I'm, actors that you went to school with? Yeah. Yeah. Brian Green went to, went to North Hollywood high school the same time I did. Oh, and yeah, I didn't even yeah. really know he was an actor at first, uh, until I saw him at some events, but I really kept, uh, you know, it was weird. I kept like two separate lives. Cause I, cause again, like I said, I, I really got into graffiti art and that whole scene, do you and still so, do graffiti art? Yeah, yeah, I still paint and stuff. Yeah, do you yeah, really? absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Still, yeah, yeah, I still paint. Uh, not as not as much as I did in the last couple of years, but I have some graffiti walls in my in my at my place in Texas that I built in the backyard, so I can paint anytime. And and then uh, when I travel, I get to paint quite a bit when I'm when I'm traveling around oh, and that's stuff. So and, cool. Uh, and I have some murals here in Los Angeles that are still uh, you know like uh, the store, the famous uh, 1980s punk rock store on Melrose called Posers. In the back of that store, I've got a, a, a mural of Johnny Rotten that I did, and one of Sid Vicious that I did, and that's so stuff like cool. that that are pretty epic. Yeah, that's awesome. amazing. They're pretty that's epic. Really um, but uh, yeah, so so then halfway through, but halfway through eleventh grade, it just it, it became too much, so I transferred to uh, a school for young actors and and artists called Excelsior. Which uh, which was in Hollywood the and Stanley School? No, 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 no. This was this was. It had a great name, but That's it was like name. it was such a joke. I mean, it That's was the we school went to, for X Men. Yeah, yeah, we went to, we went to school from eight fifteen to twelve thirty every day. Never had homework and all this stuff. You basically went and paid for your your you know your graduation papers. Really, the deal. But yeah. I, but it was like uh, Christina Applegate was there, Soleil Moonfry was there, Mila Jovovich was there, Seth Benzer from Crazy Town was there, oh uh, Justin Warfield uh, who's uh, who's the singer and she wants revenge it's sure. his band he's he was going there with me um jenny lewis was there at the time oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, ernie reyes jr was there as well and i mean the list goes on and on it was just packed full of just young working actors and and artists oh and stuff God. like that that must was, have been a crazy dude place it was hilarious it was hilarious we had this one teacher Crap. named mr van who was like this stoner surfer guy 
and uh, and sometimes when he because he would get he would uh, he would always check these like he had this some I don't know what it was some AM radio station that would give him like the surf report. And sometimes if the surf report was really good, he would lock the door and change the clock time and leave school early. <laughs> Holy and, crap. And, and so when the principal, the owners of the school were also the principal, so they'd come banging on the door and we, we would like be like, uh, who's going to open it? We're like, I don't know. And so we, so someone would go and open it and they go, where's Mr. Van? We're like, well, I mean, he, he left. He's the, the, we're done. And they'd look up and like the clock has changed by like yeah. 25 minutes. <laughs> right. Oh my God. Yeah, someone should hilarious. make a TV show about that about that school oh that's cool it was three rooms and it went everybody he took the same classes at the same time no matter what grade you were in so all math classes and it went from grade six through 12 so you had kids from age six and then kids who are in 12th grade and everybody would be in the same math class at the same time the same history class at the same time or whatever and you would just be studying at whatever pace you're studying at whatever grade level you're at you know dude jenny lewis uh, is a fascinating creature uh, oh and then we had a Belizean drug lord's son that went there as well, uh, which what? was hilarious. <laughs> oh my god, really? Yeah, yeah, totally. Dude, Jenny Lewis is one of those like anomaly people that I don't, I don't totally understand how how it worked out, how things have worked out for her. Um, she's an incredibly talented singer. Yeah, uh, yeah and, and she's and what I'm, I told you. Like, I was just at some bar in downtown. Yeah, and then I was like. Jenny Lewis came up to sing. I was like, she's a singer now. I didn't even know because I'm not into like indie rock or whatever. Yeah, she's gotten some and she good came up and I was like, really and people success. were really excited. I was like, yeah. she's familiar oh, yeah. for some reason, but I don't know why. Well, no, she and has then, a she has a billboard on yeah. Santa Monica, right? And I was like, oh, I'm gonna go watch one of her music videos. And there's a music video of hers where she's singing. The bassist is Anne Hathaway. Oh, that's, the guitarist wow, that gets strange. The guitarist is Kristen Stewart, uh-huh. and the drummer is Brie Larson. Oh. and they're just they're mouthing the words and playing the the instruments like pretending to yeah. play. Oh, okay, gotcha. And gotcha. she's yeah, yeah, yeah. the the singer, and yeah. I'm like. How did this happen? Like, <laughs> this is amazing. Is this like, an alternate? What alternate what? universe have I just stepped into? It, yeah, it's let's, fascinating. Let's though, see the like, making of that music video. I would. Yeah. So no. It's it's always th- this business is so bizarre. Yeah, it is. and strange. Um, when when we're we're kind of catching up to uh, Parker Lewis can lose nineteen ninety. Did you get cast in? On the show in '89, or how did no, you? No, I got well. I got originally cast in that show uh, because of a TV special I did with Eddie Murphy Productions called "What's Alan Watching." It was a uh, um, uh, on CBS, um, and it was uh, Tommy Schlamy was the director of that, yeah, and uh, yeah. it was some of the original writers from from Saturday Night Live created it, and Eddie Eddie Murphy was executive producing and also acting. Fran in it. Drescher was in it. Fran Drescher and uh, and uh, uh, Peter Michael Getz and Barbara Barry, and then oh my God, I mean the Eddie, Smothers yeah, Brothers. Shelley Berman was in it. Yeah, it was crazy. Was that oh the Eddie Murphy God. special where and he so did the freaking? I was Garland. Garland. Carlin was in it. It was <laughs> called What's Alan Watching, and I was Alan. But, Whoa! And, uh, Is that the one where Eddie Murphy did? the free james brown bit yes, where he's exactly. like moonwalking and yeah saying, i remember watching yeah, that on free tv day, free james brown then they had gandhi on ice and uh yeah i remember and watching all kinds that. of crazy wow. stuff so my oh, character here's, here's the uh, the description of the show 17 year old alan is a couch potato who views life and his family as if they were on television libby and leo are his parents gail is his sister uh Jeff is his brother, Alyssa is his girlfriend, and Lenny is his friend. That's the that's Actually the Alyssa that... wasn't my girlfriend. She was a girl that I, I had the hots for, but she was she was dating um uh oh my 
believe uh, uh, someone else. <laughs> no, he's, he, uh, it was um, whose mom owned the the, the comedy store. Like, uh, oh, Polly Shore. Shore. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh Duh. my God. Yeah, so Polly Shore was in it, and uh, uh, back then as well. So, oh my God, and he was so like my nemesis. Crazy. You know? <laughs> that's a crazy lineup too of yeah. people. I worked for uh, Shelley Berman. It was he was my first job I ever had. Oh, far out! I was far his uh, his assistant uh, at the La Jolla Playhouse while he was doing a play, and they said, oh, "I'll make this very short and and quick." But they said to me, uh, "Do not uh, do not let any women do anything for him while he's working on this." show if if a woman says you know that she wants to take his measurements you take the measurements like if if a woman says oh i'm gonna go get him coffee you go get him coffee he hates women do oh. not let any women oh, do anything and i was like okay like even like go if he like needs a new script you, like don't let a woman go get it for him you go get it right and i was like okay fine and so then one day we were in the middle of working and he needed a cup of coffee and and uh, oh, no. and I was somewhere else and he asked a woman to go get him a cup of coffee she got on the coffee brought it back he drank a little bit of it and then threw the coffee at her and <laughs> screamed at her what kind of fucking bitch is ruining my goddamn coffee screaming at this woman and then and then they came over and we're like Steven we told you don't ever let a woman do, like work for him like he hates women he's like such a fucking asshole <laughs> that is that is bizarre yeah i know he that is so bizarre I, and now he's dead <laughs> anyways <laughs> you um you know these hey, th- he gets to heaven happen. finds out the god's a woman he's like no <laughs> no god's a woman no <laughs> um so that was so, good so i did yeah so, so i did parker i mean i did uh what's alan watching and yeah. uh, and at the time um clyde phillips was over at cbs doing uh he had created um Houston Knights, who and he was he's uh, him and Lon Diamond created Parker Lewis together. Sure, and so they they had been asked by CBS to come up with this, you know, with a with a teen kind of comedy or whatever. And so uh, uh, apparently they had been big fans of of what they were doing. What's Alan watching? Like, oh, there's no, oh, there's no, you know, there's no rules here. Yeah, and then uh, so they 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 had come up with that uh, the concept for CBS back then, and CBS said uh, uh, turned it down. Yeah. And then, uh, and that le- that that left them open to take it over to Fox when Fox was opening up its full lineup, right? And uh, and so, unbeknownst to me, they had been fans of mine since What's Alan Watching. And when they got the go ahead for the pilot episode of of Parker Lewis, I got I got that job. Wow! Uh, because of What's Alan Watching, and, was it an um, audition or was it just no, no? I, I I I, I yeah. Dude. Well, I, I oddly enough, I didn't want to do another half hour comedy after my horrible experience on Webster because Mam and George were such dicks. What? And they yeah, they really? were they were horrible to work with. Horrible. Manny Manny uh you know Emmanuel Lewis was fantastic. He was right. he was just such a cool guy. And uh but uh but I got to tell you I mean they were they were absolutely they had to stop filming in front of a live studio audience because they used to be married in real life then they got divorced and they were still working on the show as oh, a married couple. And they they had to have their oh, the husband and wife yeah so they had show? to have their dressing rooms on opposite sides of this of the set and the only oh time my they God. yeah the only time they'd ever see each other is when we were filming so they wouldn't even do uh, rehearsals together they wouldn't do anything they would only come in and just do the scenes whoa so we'd have to rehearse with like the stand-ins reading the dialogue and doing the blocking and everything and they'd come out and then they just like they just go off script and just start going oh yeah that's pretty funny you cunt. <laughs> 
And you go, oh, you, well, yeah, well, that's really funny of you. You were a asshole. And they just start, oh, and they would just, yeah. And, they had, and so they had to stop shooting in front of a live studio audience because of the way they would talk to each other and the language they would use because it was all children and their parents in the audience. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, that's amazing. So I was like, I was miserable doing that doing that show. Absolutely miserable. And, wow. uh, and I was like, I'll never do another half-hour comedy again. And uh, and I had just finished uh, this this big budget uh, sci-fi film uh, called Solar Crisis uh, in the late '80s at the time, sure. with um, uh, with an incredible cast. You know, uh, it, it was. Uh, 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 Solar Crisis was, uh, I'll tell you, it was uh, Tim Matheson, yeah, it was Charlton, Charlton Heston, Heston, Peter Boyle, Peter Jack Boyle. Palance. That's a big, that's a, yeah, this yeah. Is, that's a big movie. Big yeah. movie, big people. And and so I thought that that movie was going to be a gigantic hit. It was like a $48 million film in the late mm-hmm. 80s, which is like equivalent yeah. to probably $300 million today. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah, yeah. totally. And, uh, and so uh, I thought that that was going to be like, you know, I was one of the, the main leads in it and everything, and... Uh, and uh, so I was I was expecting good things out of that. So when Parker Lewis came up at first, I was like, nah, I can't. Another half hour comedy. There's just no way. Yeah. <laughs> it's like none yeah. of that experience because I, I thought it was going to be a sitcom multi-camera and all of that. And I found that I found that kind of comedy hard to do as well. Sure. Because it's like there's a pace to it. You yeah. know, there's just like this and there's a certain writing style to it. It's line, line, joke, line, line, joke. You know what I mean? And there's this. And and I found it quite difficult at times to like keep up with that pace, at, you know, because and because it, it was it wasn't uh, organic, it wasn't really natural, uh-huh. and so um, at first I was like, no, I'm like, I'm good, I'm not gonna do, you know, uh, the part. So they finally I went and met with them, and they they were like, look, this is not gonna be a multi camera show, it's a single camera show, shot like a film, uh, it's gonna be shot like um, Three O'clock High, which was a, one yeah. of my favorite movies at the time uh, with yeah. Casey Shamasco. Mm-hmm. and you know we're gonna use the same kind of camera techniques and stuff that they did in Three O'clock High. There's gonna be no rules. It's you know it's not the the stand. So I read this the pilot script and I was like, oh, this is this is like. This is like, you know, like a real show. And this was before, you know, they, they created this show well before Ferris Bueller came out. Sure. Okay. So Ferris Bueller's coming out. People have always equated this show to a Ferris Bueller, but they actually had already created it before that. But Ferris Bueller, I think, helped make that genre, yeah. you know, like hip, slick, and cool. Yeah. So, uh, in fact, they did a Ferris Bueller series that uh, that we, we, sh- we aired at the same time. I think they were on NBC or CBS or something else, and we came out on Fox, and that was like, who's going to make it? You know, and yeah, they, they you only guys, lasted six episodes, and then got canceled. You blasted them out of the... Uh, yeah, so, we, so, yeah, so it went really great. I mean, I was like, once they told me what the show was going to be and all of that, I was like, oh, I'm all in. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, and, what, uh, something I absolutely loved about, uh, about the show... And- and you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, but uh, that on episodes of the show, you guys would sneak in things into the background, m- making fun of other television shows on other networks airing at the same time. There's a, like know, there's like there was like a like a girl holding a sign saying thank you for not watching Erie Indiana in the background <laughs> right, of one right. shot and then there was another like someone else did the same thing on uh thank you for not watching Hull High which was also airing at the same time like they would do that every once in a while on the show and it was so like such a it was just a ballsy thing to for them to be trying to do to kind of push other shows out yeah totally and i think that they i think that you know that i think when i think back on it sorry i'm stammering here but uh when i look at at what they did with what's on watching and then i look at what they were doing with parker lewis with all these all these interesting um you know like like we had uh uh 
what's uh, everybody's name is slipping my mind now. The the uh, the comedic singer. Um, I'm fat on st- instead Al. of I'm fat. Yeah, Weird Al Yankovic. You know, we had a scene where like we're you know we're out there on the on the field, you know, uh, the football field and stuff, and we're doing a scene, and something you know something triggers him to just go rolling by on a piano in the background, singing, <laughs> and he just goes through frame and just disappears out the other side of frame. Yeah, and we had oh. stuff like that going on, you know, all throughout. You know, I mean, they had one where where David Faustino, who you know from Married with Children. Yeah. You we're talking about people getting thrown in, in detention and stuff, and then it pans over to him, and he's like, "Yeah, she, Miss Musso, put me in detention. And I don't even go to this school." You <laughs> yeah, know what I mean, like brilliant, you know, silly brilliant. stuff like that. Which, uh, which and, and do you think some of that great. is because you were on Fox and they were more willing to do that kind of stuff? Because well, I that's, think that's, on that's, the other networks, they were they weren't doing any of that stuff, and Fox was like, "We're going to be edgy. We're going to have this." Yeah, until style. until Rupert Murdoch bought it, and yeah. that's that's why season three was so vastly different than the first two seasons because uh, Rupert Murdoch. They bought Fox during those, you know, the, that two-year transition there, mm-hmm. and then they they just the new executive they fired all the executives, of course, and brought in everybody. And you know how you know the executives are. No offense to any executive listening, yeah. sure, but you don't always have to put your stamp on on everything, you know. <laughs> sure. So, so it's like they just started it, meddling in the show. What was the changes like? Like, what are we talking about? Well, I, well, they, they they got rid of the the hair and the shirts, and they got rid of a uh, lemmer. Really? They got rid of you know a uh, lemmer who was Miss Musso's right hand man who was like you know who would like disappear and reappear from scene to scene they were they got rid of all you know they wouldn't allow us to do some of like the the mat the the magic stuff that we used to do where you just like disappear from one scene or like go through a locker and come out in a classroom or whatever there was a lot of stuff that they yeah they tried to make us more like a 90210 uh, mm-hmm. Because they were looking mm. at the success of 90210 versus our ratings. But, you know, we did a college tour and it was incredible the, the response we got. And they were still basing their ratings on on um, on the uh, again, uh, another another brain fart. The Nielsen yeah. ratings, yeah, which sure. the Nielsen boxes. There's, I mean, how how many were really in America? But at that time, in the early '90s, almost every home in America with a Nielsen box had a separate TV in the other room that the kids were watching. Yeah, and they were still doing so, diaries yeah. at that time. Like it wasn't even necessarily electronically recording all that stuff either. Too, it, it was it like was, people writing down what they were watching. Right. And listening yeah, it was that to, kind yeah. of weird stuff. So they're writing, but me, me. So our response that we were getting when we would go out and do publicity tours and stuff like that was just, just crazy. It was crazy. And I knew for a fact that they were, that they were not seeing real ratings for our show, even back mm-hmm. then. Yeah. And then when, when they took over and then I came to set for the beginning of season three and the producers were like, okay, sit down. We got to talk to you about something. I'm like, what, what, what's going on? What happened? And they're like, well, there's some changes that we have to make. And I just couldn't believe it. And they're like, listen, we fought really hard not to make these changes, but there's just nothing we can do. They're forcing us to do this. And uh, and it was a really it was a really tough tough uh, season to do because we knew that we were you know on the on, yeah, on you're the you're signing your own death warrant yeah, by doing we're that signing yeah. our own death wish there yeah exactly because everything so, cool they're like let's take out all the cool stuff they took out all the and cool just stuff. make it normal yeah and it wasn't a fun show because it was normal it was fun because it wasn't normal yes exactly right. exactly yeah. so oh, what so, a bummer so finally you know when we got. It was just a countdown to the cancellation, but they let us finish the season out, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, but 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 when we were on our last episode of season three, you know, they let us know that it wasn't coming back while we were, you know, shooting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're like, yeah. just to make your your final episode that much more exciting. You're not coming back next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You know, when we were finishing uh, season three of Big Time Rush, they were like, uh, by the way, you guys are done. The show's over. 
pack up uh, at the end of season. And then they three. tore you down all the sets where they, they tore down they the sets. built a swimming pool inside a sound stage. Wow, yeah, which is not a, not I'm an not, easy thing to do. No, no, it's not. And they tore it all out. They filled in the swimming pool with with cement, filled it in with like concrete, filled or whatever. In with concrete, yeah. and then uh, they said to me, "I said, can I take any of the stuff in my office in my record label office?" And they were like. Well, yeah, we're done. You can do whatever you want. So I backed up a truck oh, and hilarious. I filled it with stuff, with with records, gold records, and yeah. props, and you know, yeah. you know, picture for everything I could possibly fit. Yeah. My chair, all my stuff. <laughs> and then uh, three weeks after we wrapped, they were like, "Guess what? We're coming back for a fourth season." And I was like, "Oh yeah!" And they were like. Yeah, so don't forget to bring the stuff back that you took with you. And I was like, I don't take anything. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I, I didn't bring anything back. The only thing props I brought, department I think, had I think to I make everything chair again. Back. And the rest of it, all everything else, I just kept. That's and, so funny. And so then when we, uh, when we finished the final episode of the final of like season four, yeah, uh, I, I think I, I think I walked away from the show with like. 25 gold records, yeah. you know, like framed <laughs> records and stuff, which are hilarious. And they had to like just make yeah. more records, but it well, was all they did. They took an old LP and spray painted it with gold spray paint. It's yeah, not it's like not it was a big deal. A but it was like I just thing, wanted yeah. to have like the pieces, like the stuff, yeah. our stuff, you know, as much sure. of the stuff as I could. But um, it, it it was really weird when they when they were coming down to end the show. We were coming up at the end of you know uh, of, of of the show. It was. Because they had taken our show from it being uh, airing like every week on Wednesday or every other week on Wednesday night Mm -hmm. to it being we aired the show once a month as a special event. And then they were upset that the ratings weren't as good. And you're like, and then they would switch us from Wednesday to Saturday or Wednesday to Tuesday or four. That was our third season. That was our third season of. uh, That's when you know it's 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 over. Yeah. Yeah, What was your original airtime? Like, what day were you on? We were on Sundays at like six p.m. or something like that. So you're like a lead in to The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. We were on the Sunday night lineup at Fox. Wow. Yeah, it was a great spot. That is bananas. Yeah, Yeah, because that's. Because the Simpsons originally debuted on a Thursday opposite Cosby, and then they moved them the next year to Sundays, I think. I want to talk about your relationship, your friendship. Oh, with, by the way, my son, yes. when, I, when my son was growing up, he's 14 now, but, but like Big Time Rush was one of his, like, you he stopped, loved that show. Stop yeah, your, he loved you that shut show. your mouth. <laughs> that's, why, that's why when I was like, Stephen Glickman, I was like, no way. That <laughs> you know, is, you know, too weird yeah. and too wonderful. Um, okay, I'm, uh, before we talk about your friendship with Dave Faustino, because I know you guys are, are friends, right? Yes. yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we before we talk back. about that, I'm going to list off some... Can we talk about some... Dave Faustino's rap career? Can we talk Wait, about that? What, what rap career? <laughs> rap career. <laughs> I'm li- I'm li- I got to list off some of the you people that were on... You don't know the one, the one on... video he has? Oh, I'll show hang you on, later. Hang on, hang on, Matt. I'm doing something, Matt. Okay. <laughs> Here's a list of some of the actors uh, that, that were on... Uh, your on your show, Parker Lewis can't lose. Mm-hmm. Right back in the day, Martin Mull was on the show. Uh, who's incredibly funny? Ozzy Osbourne was on the show. Yep. Ziggy Marley was on the show. Yep, that's right. Uh, of course, Dave Faustino did an episode of the show. Uh, James Pickens Jr. was on the show. Uh, from Roseanne, from all sorts of other uh wonderful stuff. Um, uh, Jerry Mathers, Don Lake. Um, there's one in here that uh, totally blew my mind. Shannon Tweed, yeah, which yeah, is so rad. Uh, Dave Thomas, Donnie Osmond, um, Sonny Bono, yeah, that's right. Mila Jovovich. She, she was in the pilot. I mean, yeah. holy crap! And then it just you know, 
and then and then you know main and then main cast members. That has Ryan, to be well, Ryan Styles and uh, and of course the your the the uh, John Panette was a part of the show. Yeah, he was great. Who uh, Mike Black, our announcer, toured with for yeah. years as his opening act and wrote for him and stuff. And then um, and then Tim Stack, who is like yeah, yeah just a fantastic. comedy comedy legend. Yeah, now, he's was that Mila Jovovich? As a teenager on that show, because yeah, we were actually in real. Like I said before, we were in real high school together, and so okay. uh, she didn't tell me that she had gotten cast as like the love interest on the pilot. So she was all like being all funny when we were like finishing up because we started the pilot two weeks after uh, I finished my twelfth grade year in high school. So she was like the last couple of weeks of school. She was acting all funny. I'm like, what is she being all funny about? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So and she then she knew. shows up on set and she's like, meh, meh, meh. I was like, oh, fine. Oh, <laughs> wow. Do, do you think yeah. she thought being in the pilot meant she was going to be a recurring thing on the show? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but, you know, the you know the way that that show worked, you, you never saw, until third season, you never saw the same girl twice, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like Seinfeld, like Girl of the Week. Yeah, totally. Yeah. totally. Oh, my God. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, the regular cast of the regular guys, the guys sure. that you worked with on a regular basis. So, Billy, um, Jane. Yeah. Uh, and, and Troy. Yeah. So you and Billy and Troy work together like a lot. On oh that yeah, show. of course. Every like yeah, every of day. Course, yeah. What What was the did you What was the relationship like between you and those guys? And the, I mean, the dynamics really were were very much kind of like they were on you know on the show itself. Really, you know what I mean? They, it was extremely well cast. Uh, um, all, all of us were somewhat like our characters you know, before we were even on set. So it was yeah. kind of, it was, it was kind of perfect. Um, oddly enough, Troy and I, uh, hung out far more than Billy and I hung out. And, uh, and, uh, even though I, I still know Billy to this day, uh, we actually just did a Parker Lewis reunion, uh, at a, at an event, um, over in France. Whoa. Cause it's been wow. over in France and Europe. They, they didn't just show the, those seasons, you know, for three years, they ran them for like twenty years. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah, it was, of course. It, it was just on a couple of years ago over there. So you have like three or four generations of of young viewers who have grown up on that show over in parts of Europe, sure. and it's just it's a it's a huge it's been a huge hit over there ever since. And so uh, it, they they uh, they brought me uh, myself, Troy Slayton, um, Billy Jane, Abraham Ben Ruby, and Maya Bruton, oh, who played yeah. my sister on the show. They brought all of us over there together. For this, uh, you know, this this reunion at at one of the at one of the co- Comic Con style shows. Oh, that's so cool! In Paris, yeah, it was hilarious. But uh, so Troy, so Troy and I, you know, we hung out quite a bit over the years, and and uh, and Abraham and I used to hang out quite a bit. Uh, who played Kubiak on the show? Yeah, yeah. Um, but the uh, you know the dynamics on set were great. We had we were always uh, you know it was a very tough shoot. You did know, they was, chemistry but, read you with them, or, or how how did they do that? Did you did you do chemistry reads? On the show, you mean uh, you like mean, to decide who was going to be paired you mean up the with auditioning, you? the auditioning, the auditioning like, process? Yeah, yeah I, did they bring I, you? Actually, into I went in and uh, yeah, I was there for uh, I was there and and read with the top three of each of the cast people that they had boiled it down to. Yeah, um, and uh, and it was. Um, uh, it was a lot of fun, and so I yeah, so I read with all of them, you know, sure, back then. Yeah. Uh, it, and uh, I think the only one that they didn't that they knew that they were going to cast no matter what was Abe Ben Ruby. I think that I yeah. think that he I don't recall him coming in and having to do that read. It was like I mean, it's a no brainer with him. Yeah. I mean, no, 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 there's, you know, there's nobody else. <laughs> there's nobody else yeah. that you're going to find. Yeah, I just ran into him at the bank. 
uh, oh, that's funny. like a couple couple months ago, and and you guys are you guys are great. you guys are matching residuals. Like, look, I got one for twenty four cents. Yeah. Hey, I got one for thirty six cents. I know. Yeah, it was li- <laughs> literally that. It was. Uh, it was. It, it, he was. He was one. Of, he's one of those guys that like you just you can't not like you see him. You're like that. That's a good character. He's just a good character. Yeah, guy, totally. You know. Um. So Dave Faustino, you and Dave meet where? Well, we met because you back. guys ended up doing a, a like a web like a web series. Yeah, we kind did a of web together. series called Starving, which uh, together, I watched. Which we created and there, wrote and everything. There is a clip of Starving with uh, you and him and and uh, and Ed O'Neill. Yeah. that is fucking brutal. It's so funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm uh, eating off his plate and stuff. Well, yeah, like you're that. eating <laughs> off his plate and he's just pissed. And it's like he he and he's just so dirty. Like he's just filthy on it i love him i'm yeah, a big they, I'm a they big pulled that you know they pulled all of our we did that for crackle sony television and uh, i well to back up i've known david since since he was probably 13 or whatever i mean we we met each other uh, at, at different events you know teen magazine events and bot magazine and this event and that event of course, you know sure. and uh and so we had known each other back then for a long time as young actors and then um and became close friends in our you know later teenage years and stuff and then up through our 20s and all the way you know till the present time yeah but we so when uh when the two Corey's show had come out you know david and i were like oh we got to take the piss out of this you yeah. know like so we we had actually gone in and we were pitching a bunch of 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 fake reality shows that you know through a production company we had set up with a buddy of our na- ours named todd Bringawat. like um uh we had one i think that was um uh uh, uh what was it? Uh, Doghouse, where it's like uh, where David is is trying to audition people to be his new best friend, right? You know, and it's like, and then and and if uh, if you become his dog, you get to wear like this gold necklace, and if you if you mess up, you have to go live in a doghouse in his backyard. For, oh that's my funny. god! You know, whatever. So all this stuff. And we, that's like, like all that these, Paris Hilton show where the, they actually tried to do that. Right? You know, yeah, I didn't see oh, that. Yeah. One, yeah. But, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, you know, we wanted to take the piss out of reality shows, and and uh, and we kept getting you know uh, pitch meetings and this, and we had we had a we went through like 12 different incarnations of it. Oh and finally, God. finally our, our writing partner, uh, he was like, look, we just got to take the piss out of ourselves. And we're like, what do you mean ourselves? It's me and David here. He's like, that's what I mean. <laughs> so, yeah. so he's, yeah. you know, he goes, uh, so we were like, let's just shoot something. That's the only way we're going to do this. We got to show them what we're talking about. So we got at O'Neill to buy in on that scene, at the, you know, where, Very where cool. David's going to ask him for a loan and all of that. And, I, and yeah. I show up and whatever. And, uh, and I stole 15 bucks from his wallet back in, <laughs> you know, and back in the, back in the days when he was doing Mary with children and all that. So we shot this, you know, this, this short, you know, five minute little segment, uh, from, you know, that we used as a pitch reel and uh, and even though we went to like every network in town, they were like, "This is so hilarious! We don't want it." And so finally, Sony <laughs> TV bought it for Crackle when they bought Crackle, and sure. they put it on as a web series. And they gave us a really great budget, and we did um, 10, 10 or twelve episodes. I can't remember how many uh, right offhand, but uh, but the episodes were just outrageous. They they all they they ranged about ten minutes each, but uh, but I you know then they pulled them. Um, about a year or so after they aired them, they pulled them completely down from the net. Um, really, which, which was very strange. Well, but you know that that's what comedy. I, I did a series for Comedy Central, and they had it up on their website for like four months, and then they yanked it from the internet. and And I was so bummed. Yeah. And I had, they had spent like it's because they. they- 
sold off part of their stuff to Adam Films or something, or they bought Adam Films and then they changed the way it was all done. Yeah. And then yours got wiped out along with a bunch of other web stuff. They just wiped it all out. They're like, we're not doing this anymore. Yeah, so then what it. I did is I hit up uh, this guy here, Matt Walker, the yeah. biggest nerd I know, <laughs> and I was like, hey, can you help me find the show somewhere online? Is it is it hiding somewhere in the corners of the internet? Right. And he found it and then ripped it from the web, right. and then I put it up on YouTube and, and then they took it down. No, they oh, never. They don't. They, just, they, they don't, don't care. Because yeah, we we found it. Somebody had posted starving. It's happened a couple of times mm-hmm. that it's that it's been it's popped back up all the episodes and it gets yanked down almost immediately, which is a which is a tragedy. But see, it was Sony Television's first uh, foray into you know web series stuff. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that our 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 deal for the ad revs. You know, we had a really, really strong deal for sharing the ad revenue. Oh, yeah, that'll and I think do it. That was, yeah. I think that was really what it was yeah. uh, was was the final nail in the coffin. But that said, you know those those episodes were so outrageous and so uh, dare I say scandalous at times that like if it was still on today, I I don't think that David and I would have a uh, a snowball's chance in hell of ever working again in the film business. <laughs> wow! Because of how offensive the show was on so many levels, to, not just to us. We were we we put ourselves out there most, but you know on every level. You know Sam Cass, who was one of the writer producers from Seinfeld, was one of on our our writing producing team. Oh my god! And uh, and Amazing. so and yeah, so Sam was like he he was like he was like look, I'm Jewish. I can say anything about anybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was yeah. like, all right, well then that's that one's on you because we had a hard time writing the show because we were like we'd come up with stuff that was so risky you know we'd all crack up and we'd be like no we can't put it in there and then finally we had to come up with a rule that out of the four writers myself david todd and sam if it got three out of four laughs it stayed in the script no matter what oh my god so finally we 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 put it all you know we we got all the scripts done and we delivered the scripts to sony and they're like okay yeah do it and we're like oh they didn't read these (laughs) oh my (laughs) god they they, they gave us zero notes so when we started delivering episodes because we we uh we did block shooting on every single episode so we did everything that would take place at david's house all 12 episodes we'd shoot all of that stuff so we couldn't start editing the episodes together until we finished you know the whole shooting everything right of course then we started delivering episodes and they were like what is this <laughs> they were like, like it's in the script <laughs> they were like yeah and uh and apparently we you had, approved it well apparently a couple of our episodes literally sent some of the executives over there into like fits of rage <laughs> like, like literally fits oh of rage oh my god yeah. that's amazing <laughs> yeah, like throwing stuff off their <laughs> oh desk god. and stuff you know and um Wow! Uh, yeah, it was outrageous. It was outrageous. We should try. You know, we should try I to mean, do. We had, uh, you know, Gilbert Gottfried was in it. Ed Asner oh, was in it. We God. had some amazing, like we had, the Gilbert Gottfried episode was. I mean, it's so horrible. But he had a, a, a special needs son who was like really heavy set, and he gets he hires David because David owes him some money. So he's like, "Look, you you'll watch my son while I go to this you know party with my wife." And while David's washing his son, he ends up drowning. And so, <laughs> oh my God. so I show up and I'm trying to like help save him or whatever, you know, and like and so when Gilbert shows up at the end from his party, Shit. he shows up and we, you know, we've we've killed his child. And so, I mean, where is my son? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> where, is, where is my and son? He's like, he's like, you save me a lot of money, though. And uh, oh like horrible stuff like my that. God. And that's, the, that's just the tip. That's actually one of the one of the more, you know, like easy to stomach episodes. You know, what we but. should try to do we I've tried to do this a couple of times, which I, I, I but I think it would be worth it is uh, is uh, I've always wanted to do a like a little film festival of like of of pilots that didn't 
like like pilots or like lost television series that'd shows. Be great. Oh, because, that'd be so cool. Um, because uh, there's two. There's an animated series that stars Samuel L. Jackson as a as a as a cop that is also a, a ghost i think and uh it never it was like for adult swim never went to air and my friend made it and we have it somewhere and then lmfao the the you know the band mm-hmm. yeah lmfao yeah. they 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 dropped almost a million dollars making a pilot of where they were the stars of their own Curb Your Enthusiasm television show. Right. Like where it's shot like Curb, but with those guys, and it is unbelievably funny. Wow. And so, so fucked up and so weird. Yeah. And the and then their music just intercut throughout <laughs> it, which is so stupid. Like instead of like bum ba dum ba da bum ba right. you know, it's like you know, it's like they're like techno like music right. every every couple of minutes that's but so bizarre it'd be fun to like take to like take a couple of these and put them up at you know the chinese or something oh it'd be, and, that would be a blast you know, actually have a big, um, big fun night that'd be a blast yeah so we did i mean you know before that david and i had done a number of films together like you know those stoner comedies we did one called high hopes and one called yeah. killer bud and oh uh, yeah of course of and course. That, the, those were you know those were good little indie films and then we just recently did uh for a company called gas money pictures we did uh uh, a pilot and shot some some sh- some short uh, episodes of a, a new animated series called Hollywood, but spelled W O U L D, and it's uh, it's about Hollywood and the industry, but it, but all the characters are fruits, nuts, and vegetables, and so David and I are two peanuts who are writer producers trying to like oh come up with our next great idea, and uh, and the uh, you know the the um, uh, the executive at the studio is like this big, heavy set orange, and uh, there's all I mean, every character. Oh my god, yeah, it's, it's sounds pretty like hilarious. So much fun. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious. There's some clips of it uh, that you can find out there, but um, uh, it's still being shopped right now. There's some great uh, uh, networks that are you know looking at it, and even you know uh, digital platforms and stuff. So hopefully that'll go. <laughs> I love uh, it. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. So from its humble beginnings in Minnesota to a worldwide brand that has taken the vape industry by storm. Jungle Nation presents The Glory Days. Whoa, 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 what was that? Um, I'm sorry? No, no, this is The Glory Days. This needs to be exciting. Uh... The Glory Days! This is not your grandparents' e-liquid company. We take the flavors you love and flip them on their flavored faces. Kiwi, lemon, lime, melon, blackberry. Are you freaking kidding me? Sound the alarm. It's a new flavor alert. Peach, orange, mango, game over. These are some of the most well-rounded, clean, e-liquid flavors on the market. Following strict FDA guidelines and recommendations, Jungle Nations is taking the best of 42 fully registered flavors and bringing them to a local vape shop near you. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Must be legal age to purchase or use. Let these days be the glory days of tomorrow. Go to junglenation.com. That's JNGLNation.com. Um, you you have you have worked nonstop. Like like what your your IMDB is like there's so many fun, crazy fucking movies yeah. that you've done and and like a ton of television. Um Stargate SG one, you did yeah. 20, 26 episodes. Yeah. Twenty eight episodes. So how like long that, had it been running show? when you joined that show? Uh I, I came on season six. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. 
What was that? What was that show like for you? Was it a fun show? Oh, it was amazing. I mean, uh, you know, I love that genre anyway. The sci-fi genre has always been a favorite of mine, and yeah. that and that show is so well produced. Uh, the the uh, the production design on it is so incredible. The I mean, everything everything about that show is is top of the line, you know, and uh, and you know, getting to go on those adventures with those, with, with the cast there was just, it was, it was fantastic. Oh, you yeah. know, uh, I had, I had a really great time. Vancouver's an awesome city too. I really love, uh, working up there. So, you know, can't complain about that where either. Did, where did you stay when you were in Vancouver? Um, well, I was at, uh, I was at a couple of different places during that time period. I, 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 I started, I think I was at the, uh, they put you in the Sutton place. Oh, the Slutton, the Slutton place. <laughs> you too. We just had Ashley green on the show from twilight and her and i both stayed at the sudden place yeah, yeah. slutton place yeah yes yeah. so, so I, I was there at first for the first episode that i did and then they they moved me over to an uh, a different place down robson and then eventually i had to get my own apartment there uh so i had my own apartment for a while which ha- which was literally completely empty except for an air mattress and a cd player basically oh and, a, and and a, an electric clock and that was that was it i mean the yeah. rest of the place was was completely empty so uh because wow. i found this I found this this uh, incredible apartment um, down uh, in in uh, like not not Gastown but but sort of a little off from Gastown in one of the new buildings and it was the the 47th and 48th floor two stories of uh you know of this of, of the top floor of one of these downtown high rises and it was five five thousand two hundred square foot apartment with you know floor to ceiling windows and wraparound balconies at forty eight stories high you know. And and all this for like thirteen hundred a month, but there was wow. no furniture in it. I was like thirteen hundred a month. I'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It had like five bedrooms oh and like six bathrooms and all this ridiculousness. And I was just like, and I so you I had an air I had, mattress in the corner. I had corner. a pair of rollerblades. I used to rollerblade around the place. It was that oh big. Oh my <laughs> god, that's amazing. Now you were also talking about sci-fi. You were involved in a project that's a prominent fan fi- fan film, Star Trek Renegades. Yes, uh, and we we actually interviewed Walter Koenig and talked to him about that a little bit uh, a couple years ago. We've met Tim Russ, who's in that, of course. Sure, and they all they play pretty much their same characters, just in a different name in this right. show. Right now, how did you become involved with that? Were you like a Star Trek fan? Are you a Trekkie? No, you just I think fell it was, I, I really got involved with it from going to you know the different conventions and everything, and meeting the guys you know that were they were putting that show together and all of mm-hmm. that, and just through just general conversations. And they're like, you know, they're like, oh well, you know, we're you know we're we're trying to package this, and they were originally trying to just shop it as a series, but they mm-hmm. but the the Star Trek um, um, film franchise was doing so well. You know, people were like, oh, we don't want to dilute it and this and that. And plus there was some, I guess there was some weird, I don't know all the details because I'm not behind the scenes on it, but there was some weird thing about rights and this and that. There was a big change. Star Trek used to have a hands-off policy where they were like, make whatever you want. We don't really care. And then they came in around the time the movies came back and then CBS was like, we're going to reassert our TV rights because we're going to make a new series. So about four or five years ago, they started clamping down and saying, no, you can't do this stuff and you can't use anybody that's been in Star Trek and you can't use any character names and you can't use ship design. Like they came in and basically said, you can't make these things anymore. Right. Um, Which... So that's I mean it just came about because of the convention you know Mm -hmm. the convention world and all of that and uh, 
And, you know, it was cool to do. I mean, it was really that, you know, because I had gotten in, in this, uh, we won't get into details on it because it's too much, but I got in this horrible boat wreck filming down in Belize mm -hmm. and uh, had and my femur was broken into seven pieces. Wow. And I oh had to go God. through, yeah, I had to go through five surgeries and all kinds of craziness. And, and so was, uh, you know, was, was, uh, was, basically you know bedridden for a long time pretty much but oh my but God, dude. That, long story short it was the, the Star Trek was one of the, the first things that I had done uh okay. you know when I was and I was still I wasn't even really able to walk at that time hardly mm -hmm. so it was like getting up like in the first episode that I did it's like I really just kind of stand up and move towards camera a little bit <laughs> because I was still walking on a cane yeah. at that point and now, stuff. now did that happen because were, were you attacked by the Belizean drug lords family of the kid that you yeah, were in yeah, high school with and then he, you added him on the podcast and he's like well uh, done well <laughs> done it wouldn't surprise me I mean Belize is a total narco state I mean there's no doubt about it they were like we you know we we're in Belize City and the, the the hotel manager and stuff like that they're like look you know if you do want to go out or whatever you, it's, it's okay to go into town in the daytime but just stay on the main street and all of this stuff and and and, and if you want to go and have drinks at nighttime just just go to one of the hotel bars because you'll probably get kidnapped and held for <laughs> ransom <laughs> Holy crap. yeah totally <laughs> oh my god well i'm happy that you uh that you uh made it back and that you're that you're okay you're in one piece yes Oh yeah, thank God. For but that. I do have sixty grand worth of titanium uh, in my right leg now. Wow! So yes. You can't go running metal from detectors? running from hip to knee. No, titanium doesn't set off metal oh. detectors. So if you did want to sneak anything through, like a, a gun or some type of sword or something, a gun made, it has of to be made out of titanium. Yeah, huh. this sounds. <laughs> that. that is the next movie that that we should make. Titanium, titanium steel, steel gun. Because um, like that, or what was so that Clint Eastwood movie uh, in the Line of Fire? Where John Malkovich made the gun out of like resin or whatever. Oh right, right, right. Here's, yeah. here's the thing. I I have always been a fan of these uh, of movies that are ridiculous. Like where the title of the movie is ridiculous. Right. I've always been a fan of these movies. I've always wanted to be in one of these movies. Oh, like a Sand Sharks or something. Yeah. Like that? <laughs> so I'm gonna list off a couple of names of some movies that you've done. That oh you've yeah, been it's in hilarious. That they. There are movies I would love to be in, and yeah. I would like to know how what what they're like to film these movies, and then also if they're all the same, if they're all the same people, or if it's different people. So I'm just going to list off some names. You ready? Here we go. Drone Wars is a movie uh, that you did filled with smoke and fire. The sky is littered with ships hovering above miles in every direction. These ships reap the earth of all of its resources. Drone wars. That's, that's one. It should have been rape instead of reap. Yeah. They that rape could be, the earth. They rape the earth. Um, there was uh, rise of the dinosaurs. This was a, a group of soldiers attempting to rescue a hostage from a terrorist crashed land in unfamiliar jungles. It's Rise of the Dinosaurs. Okay, so okay, there's that. Not, I only ended up in that one because they were 15 minutes short on the on the cut, <laughs> and so they had to write a set uh, like a subplot. And I was friends with the producers and stuff because I had done some other films with them as a producer and actor. And so I I was so I came in and did like the subplot on that. I that's I, the, that's the that's the only one out of all the ones I've done that I really would have rather not been in. <laughs> all right, here's another one. This I this is this may be my favorite. A rocket carrying nano robot. Bots, crash lands short. This could be the plot. Was oh, this of raging the sharks? 
No, this, this could, I'm going to say it. You tell me if you oh. if you can figure it out. Ready? A rocket carrying nano robots crash lands shortly after takeoff into a zoo. The oh, bots yes. are released and find their way to a massive crocodile. Robo croc. Robo croc. <laughs> I would do anything to be in Robo croc. That sounds like so much fun. And then of course this. And then this is the one we were just talking about. The residents of a small town team. Oh, no, sorry. The residents of a small town team up to kill a group of evolved sharks that can swim in the sand. No, they were actually prehistoric. They weren't evolved. They're they were ancient prehistoric, prehistoric sharks sand that swim sharks. in the sand. I love this kind of stuff <laughs> so much. Wait, one last one, because this one, I, I, know, I know these guys. Yeah. Uh, plagued by uninsured patients, greedy insurance companies, and heartless healthcare mongers... Uh, oh, Robo, uh, RoboDoc. RoboDoc. It yeah, was a yeah, National Lampoon. That's yeah. a robot. Actually, that was it. Was unfortunate because that was right when they were going out of business that oh. I, that we finished our film, and so they just like just threw it out there because it's actually a very That's well National Lampoon. It's well done and it's funny, and we got a you know we had a, yeah, a really good Alan cast Thick, on that. Yeah. You had again, David me and David Deluise, Michael yeah. Winslow, all yeah. the people. I mean, Faustino again. We're in that. Faustino, of course. And it's actually a very funny. Uh, it's actually a very funny film. If anybody can find it, it's well worth. Oh, uh, we'll, find well worth. It. Well worth checking out. So, so what? What's when you work on movies like this? Like, are they all the same? Is it same company that's making these different films? <clears throat> well, I did. I was working with uh, with some guys. Um, they they they've now blown up so big. The company called the Cartel, and they've just become like huge. Yes, now. I know exactly who. They so are. when they when when they were still in kind of like a one room office, I started doing these sci fi movies with them, uh, working as an actor and producer on them and stuff, and then. Uh, uh, and then also American World Pictures, I did a couple with them, and uh, and so you know they they a lot of times they were with the same company, and then over in Bulgaria, I did a bunch with UFO oh, Productions yeah, over there. Yeah, Bulgaria. Yeah, they yeah. Make- SS Doom Trooper was another one that should have been on the list where that were yes. uh, yeah where the Nazis create a super soldier. <laughs> That uh, that me and my buddies have to go and kill back in the in That's the in the nineteen forties so or something and uh, yeah we yeah, yeah they I, make yeah, a lot, lot of fun, fun movies in Bulgaria yeah so I've done yeah I've worked over there like six times uh, I uh, I did with Yancey Butler we did um uh, uh, Lake Placid versus Anaconda over there oh, uh, you know just a couple of years back and. Uh, that's a classic giant, a gigantic anaconda fighting a gigantic crocodile. I've watched, yeah. I've watched those movies. They're very, very fun to watch. Um, the movie that I'm going to watch the premiere of that you're, you're Rotten starring, Tale, yeah. Rotten Tale. Tell me about this movie because it's you and Dominique Swain. Can, can I guess? Yes. Is, is it about Fievel and now he's old and he's dead and he's rotting? Fievel's in the a mouse. But he was the star of American Tales, so that's what I'm saying. No, but Rotten Rot- Tale. Rotten Tale's a half oh. bunny, half man. Oh, half bunny, half man. Half, half, half bunny, half bunny, man. He's half bunny, half man. Oh, Vincent DePaul, isn't it? Do, do you play a half... Uh, William McNamara. Tank Jones. I yep. know Tank Jones. Do, do you play a human rabbit hybrid? I'm a half... I'm a, I become a half man, half rabbit. That's in, awesome. In yeah, so Holy it's shit. based on a, on a graphic novel that came out in the late 90s uh, that was published by Source Point Press. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just this crazy you know story about a scientist at a secret lab you know secret government lab who is working on a serum to help um you know to help infertility and another doctor at the lab is working on mutating animals for the military to go and fight for the military and and the and the there's a 
a uh, mix up a mix up and so i end up getting bitten you know by the uh by one of the mutated rabbits while i have uh, you know a, a vial mm-hmm. of the serum in my hand and i get mi- and it mixes with me and I, and sort of like how they did in the fly with jeff goldblum i, I slowly morph into this half man half rabbit awesome and oh my uh God. yeah 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 and so my 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 nemesis from from high school who uh who killed my pet bunny is now an evangelical, uh, an evil evangelical preacher <laughs> who wants to go back to our hometown of Easter Falls and tear down uh, the girl I was in love with, tear down her her family's church to build his new gigantic, you know, church. But mm-hmm. unbeknownst to everybody, underneath that is like a huge deposit of of gold down in the land because it's in, out in the desert in the mountain regions. Uh, of, course. of course. So he so so <laughs> in tearing down the church, he wants to dig up the gold and become rich. Sure. And so I have to go back to my hometown of Easter Falls to save the the town from the evil evangelical so, preacher. Question for you Mac- about this. Do you transform <laughs> into the rabbit or are you yes, always I trans- half? No, I, no, I transform into, well, I mean, I'm still half man, half rabbit, yeah. basically, you know. I don't go full bunny. Uh, so, so, but like you're going back to your hometown. Like, do you get on an airplane and you've got ears? No, I or take like my scooter. I'm driving my scooter there, <laughs> and I run out of gas halfway uh-huh. there in the middle of the desert, and have to steal a car from uh, steal a van from some stoners mm-hmm. uh, to make the rest of the trip to Easter Falls. And Dude, then, uh, then the I insanity ensues. That sounds Easter awesome. Falls. So, yeah, that Easter sounds Falls, so good. and it takes place on Easter weekend. The the the, mm-hmm. the in the in the comic book, it was Easter weekend that the whole thing took place, and in the movie, it's Easter weekend that the whole wow. thing takes place, and it's coming out Easter, Easter. twenty nineteen. Yeah. So, uh, so it's, this is a whole Easter theme here, you know. Should I be make high Easter when bloody I see again? Yeah. Yes, you should be very, 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 very high. Okay. <laughs> so we made it. We made the film for less than three hundred thousand. Uh, and wow. shot it in 16 days out in Phoenix. Um, the director Brian Skiba, uh, you know, n- nobody could have done this film except this guy. I mean, you know, what he was able to capture in terms of getting all the shots that were needed. Our our our, our cinematographer um, uh, Patrice, a French uh, French cinematographer, just incredible at lighting, really really mm-hmm. deep, you know, dramatic lighting, great stuff. Uh, it was almost an impossible shoot to get done in that amount of time with how big this this and the scope the script was. Plus, the uh, we had to get the you know the special effects makeup right, yeah. and so literally a third of the budget was in the special effects makeup. So we so really the print wow. the principal photography was done for you know like like a hundred and hundred and fifty grand or so. Holy you know God. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. like wow. you know. So, so how long were you in makeup? Like as it went as it, it went along, about, you got more and more. It was about an hour and well, at first it used to take about two hours or so, but then once we got used to it, it was about an mm-hmm. hour and forty five minutes to get the makeup on, and about mm-hmm. an hour and fifteen to get it. Now, off are every you day. the only but half man, amazing. half rabbit in the movie, or are there others? Yes, but in the end, uh, I mean, I don't want to give everything. Okay. Away. No, 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 there's a surprise. Don't ruin it. Yeah, but can't wait to see this. So you know, I mean, for 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 being like a you know a grindhouse horror comedy, you know, and it, you know with the in a throwback to kind of that eighties, you know, uh, horror genre. Sure. Uh, it's it's like it's pretty it's pretty incredible what what uh, was able to be pulled off for the budget constraints and the time constraints and and everything else. Uh, but I think that uh, I think that what we have. Um, a, it's it's got some really really great humor all the way through, yeah. you know, and uh, I think that uh, I think that for the genre, I think it's going to do really well. And what our hopes are is it does well enough to be able to give us the opportunity to do Rotten Tail Two at at a at a real budget, yeah, you mm-hmm. know, and really show people 
what you know what we can come with. Uh, I, I was a producer on that as well, which was uh, which was a, a great um, uh, you know great experience for me too. Fantastic. But um, it was uh, it was a definitely a tough shoot, but well worth it. And I think that uh, the Rotten Tail will will hit the uh, the market um, very strongly. And all there is at that budget, all there is 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 room to make profit. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, totally. These are your Facebook questions. Uh, Steven Straw says, will we ever see a reunion show of Parker Lewis Can't Lose? And would you consider doing one? Uh, well, Stephen, um, or should I say Mr. Straw, a reunion show of Parker Lewis has uh, has been discussed, actually. Uh, trying to do a reboot of it has been discussed. But as of yet, um, we have not been able to... Uh, to get the right person to sign off on it, um, whose uh, whose name I will not mention, although I do love him, and um, it uh, it is not happening as of yet. But it would be hilarious. I actually thought that what would be funny is that we, if we did a reboot of it, it's uh, Parker Lewis can't win, and now he's older, and everything <laughs> he ever tries to do fails. And Miss Musso is now the mayor of the town, and and she gets in the way of all of his uh, his new business ventures, and he sleeps on uh, on Kubiak's couch. And everybody else is super successful. I love Parker. It. I love it. I love it. All right, uh, Christy Elisa. Christy Elisa. Uh, her question was: uh, She said, "I loved that show. Synchronized swatches. Did they keep the watches? Did you guys keep the watches? Well, it was synchronized swatches actually. Yes. And uh, but when we went to Swatch Watch to get you know approval for that, they're like, "Oh, it's fine. You can use the the word swatch, but you can't use our watches." So we, all we have are these these little cheap, crappy watches, you know, that didn't have a label on them oh of the maker God. or anything, and we couldn't actually use swatches, which I thought was a huge mistake for Swatch Watch. But uh, but we there was no point in keeping those things. They were very very cheap. Yeah, no, that that's great. That's great. Um, and they never were really actually synchronized properly. Uh, <laughs> David Rosenberg asked, uh, "Is there anything that you took from the show that you have continued to hold on to all these years?" Um, well, David, the only thing that I took from the show uh, Parker Lewis was the heartbreak of season three. Uh, I've kept that with me ever since, but uh, but no, I, I there there was nothing that I actually kept. Although I, I mean, on some shows that I've done, I have kept uh, uh, you know some silly silly little props or different things like that over the years. Uh, Operation your, Dumbo uh, Drop, I kept one of my army shirts. Uh, from what's Alan watching, I kept this little rubber finger puppet that I, I used to I wore in the show. Um, I think I kept some dog tags from Stargate SG One. Uh, you know. Not, nothing too special. Totally badass. That's great. Uh, Eric Marino asks, uh, did did the cast celebrate when Ferris Bueller's show got canceled? Um, well, uh, well, Eric, when Ferris Bueller's show got canceled, yes, there was a bit of celebration uh, with the cast of and crew and uh, producers of Parker Lewis because our nemesis was uh, was uh, effectually dismissed from primetime television. And um, it was uh, a huge... Um, it was huge for for the enthusiasm of making the show, as well as just a, you know a great feeling that we were doing something that was uh, not only groundbreaking but was being well received by um, the public. I love it. Uh, Matthew Moore asks a question that I'm not totally sure I understand, but he said, "How did you get a hold of a Se the Sega Game Gear so far ahead of its North American release?" I think well. Uh, 
I know that on Parker Lewis, there was a lot of stuff that we we actually created the Internet and live streaming uh, way before it actually really existed on Parker Lewis. We were doing all that stuff, you know, in our uh, in the upper reaches of the gymnasium where our secret layer was um, far ahead of its time. So um, really what we had done is we created this kind of future past machine and we would get stuff that had yet to be invented, sent back to us so we could use it in the show. And uh, then later on, it would be invented. Yeah, that just <laughs> to point out at the time, Sega North America was actually pretty advanced, and they were paying attention to shows like this. And I'm sure that there was uh, a deal with Sega uh, yeah, to get that, it over that, here. That seems like that makes yeah. sense. Um, okay, as a uh, Sega fanboy, I had to Aaron, jump in. There we go. Yes, you really are a Sega fanboy. <laughs> Aaron Grimmer asks: Was the water in the hot tub limo hot for filming? Um, no, the water was not hot and I don't know if it's ever hot and I don't think that any hot tub limo actually has hot water in it. I mean, let's just be real. I think that, yeah. uh, if there's anything foamy in it, it's probably from being a hot tub limo and God knows what's gone on or who's been in it. So, um, no, I, it was not actually hot, and that, that is unfortunate. That happens uh, quite a bit, actually. In fact, on a lot of movies and stuff, you have to go into the water and pretend that it feels great, but it's actually freezing cold, and this happens uh, most often. Um, Aaron Grimmer also asked this question, which I think is hilarious. Did they get a bulk deal on the glass for Miss Musso's office door? These are deep cut questions. No, these yeah, these are some serious fans. Yeah. Uh, well, the the glass windows, I can't remember how many were actually broken in uh, over all three seasons, uh, especially the first two seasons. But the budget on those went because sugar glass is not cheap, and uh, and there was a couple of times where the, the where it broke prematurely, uh, and uh, and that was always a huge tragedy because it, it was it was such a. Uh, um, a dig in the budget keeping up with those glass windows as funny as that as that is it was uh it was quite something so um it was not it was not unheard of that they would get word from the from the studio to be like is there any way you can break less windows they're like ooh you're taking away one of our uh, one of our big gags no i'm oh, sorry man. but uh, we're going to have to keep breaking these bitches uh, uh, JD asks, uh, was there any animosity between that, that cast and the Saved by the Bell cast? Um, no, there was, I mean, Saved by the Bell, really, I don't think it started until we were at least, uh, deep into season two. Um, it certainly didn't start at the same time, yeah, it and it was time. a Saturday morning show. Um, in fact, I didn't even really hear of Saved by the Bell until after our show was canceled, so I don't really know exactly when Saved by the Bell started. But uh, but I definitely can see where they where they may have uh, they may have absorbed some elements from Parker Lewis. Sure. Uh, when uh, when they created that show. So. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I they, they, they had a much longer run than we did. That's all I know. Uh, no, uh, and uh, our last question is from Robbie. And the last question was, uh, what is the role that you're most proud of that you would love to even have a swipe at doing again for maybe a sequel or for, or for something else? Well, it's there. It's different because some of the roles I'm most proud of, honestly, I, you couldn't really do a sequel to. There was that, you know, this really small indie film that I did years ago called foreign correspondence, uh, that, uh, you know, was a real slice of life film and not, hardly anything happens in the movie. It's just, you know, uh, and it was so much fun to make 
um, as an actor, and uh, that was uh, that was really like one of my favorite uh, uh, films to make over all these uh, some pretty incredible projects I've gotten to work on. Um, I'd say in terms of shows, the one show that I would love to be able to go back onto and be a part of again would be Stargate SG One if they were to do you know because I know that they have plans for a reboot and stuff like that, but I I, I don't think that they're going to bring Jonas Quinn back, which is really unfortunate. Um, but uh, but that would be an amazing show to uh, to be able to work on um, in the future for sure. It's such a great show. Um, but as far as that goes, I mean. Almost anything that I've done, you could probably do a re- reboot on. Um, a quick funny story, though, when we were talking about uh, the the those B movies and stuff, the the one um, Lake Placid versus Anaconda. You know, I've done I've done so many of these like films where you just end up with so much gore and crap on you by by the end of the movie, and it's so sure. unpleasant to work that way. And I'd worked with these producers so many times. I was like, how about if like every time there's like a big blood spray or anything like that happens, I'm like either behind somebody or I like I duck and everybody else gets hit. So like, so by like the end of the movie, it's like you'll notice like I'm like hardly have anything on me, and everybody else is all messed up. And it's like and if you really watch the movie, you'll see it's like I'll like duck, other people won't, or I'll be like just behind somebody or I was like I just can't I mean it's just it's just not too much. again <laughs> not, not again. again I love it I love it well thank you so much for doing this yeah you bet man. you this bet this is really awesome tell tell people where they can find you on social media and stuff like that yes yeah, so as far as social media goes I I'm really most active on um Twitter and Instagram um <laughs> And that's my there goes Flo, my sister's dog. She's 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 on it. She's guarding us. So uh, it's the letter I and the letter M and then the name Corin Nemec on both of those. So on right. Twitter, it's at I am Corin Nemec. And on uh, Instagram, it's Instagram. It's at I am Corin Nemec. And uh, it's not I'm. It means instant message. Damn it. Oh, but, yeah, uh, of course. <laughs> but it's I'm Corin Nemec. And then I, I have a Facebook, but I'm, I almost never check it. Fantastic. Uh, but um, those well, are the two best places to find me. Matt, where can people find you on the uh, internet? Uh, you can find links to everything at funnymat.com, or if you're annoyed by me, let me know at mattwalkersucks.com. Uh, and also, if you like things that are horrible, uh, please listen to my other podcast with Stephen Glickman called Juror Number 8, where I oh. talk to him about the murder trial that I was a juror on uh, of a man who murdered and dismembered his mother. Oh, my God. Corin, I had to do a podcast with him. Like, but we've been friends, me and Matt have been friends for like, what, 14, 15 yeah. years, something like this. Gotcha. And he made me do a podcast with him where he just told me the most horrifying story ever. Uh, <laughs> and and it, if you like that type of stuff, like crew, uh, true crime uh, podcast, uh, it, 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 this is a, a great one to listen to. Uh, if you if you're well, I did I did play Ted guy. Bundy and uh, oh my and, god yeah and, yeah 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 and Richard Speck. Which oh, yeah. uh, who was uh, played both of those guys. Oh, so then you, <laughs> might, you might really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Go to jurornumber eight and oh you can God. listen. Yeah. Um, hey, I have to. I have to say this. Uh, we this... didn't even get to talk about the stand. I mean, oh that was. I mean, oh, yeah. we'll have to what? do. We'll have to do this again another time. Yeah, but, we got to uh, do this again. Yeah, there's too I much. Mean, to talk, talk about it's... a cast. My God. Oh my God. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we we got to say this, uh, and it, it, which is super cool. We are uh, working with Zoom. Mm-hmm. Uh, they uh, they provide the. Um, 
uh, our our sound equipment for the show and our and and it, it makes it so that we can travel anywhere and uh, and and go to people's homes and hang out and just rock it. And, and this is our first interview with this set of equipment, which it, is great. Yes, so. and it's it's it sounds uh, really really awesome. So I'm very very excited to be working with them. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the nighttime show and uh, leave us comments and share and tell your friends. Uh, you can always get me at Stephen Glickman S T E P H E N on on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And uh, I love you, uh, Corin. Thank you so much for uh, making this yeah, dream come true. Oh yeah, speak, yeah speak, I have a YouTube really cool. channel, Corin Nemec TV, but it's like there's not a whole lot on there. It's just like, but but uh, I have some reels and stuff on there. But also, but I do have because I I live in Texas, so I always have to do these auditions on uh, you know on <laughs> yeah. my computer and stuff. And yeah. I've never gotten any of the jobs, so I was like, you know what. Fuck it. So <laughs> just like it all. So there's like a, a crap ton of auditions of jobs I never got on there, oh, which I is hilarious. That. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. If you ever want to, we can always we can always try to pull together a a Parker Lewis cast reunion on uh, the live show. If you ever want to try to do that. And oh, I'm sure that we could get. Uh, trying to sure get Abraham get, or yeah, yeah. A, a, I'm sure that we could get a, a decent amount. I'm Tim. T- I'm sure Tim would show up uh, as well. Um, which people uh, would go crazy. Yeah, for yeah. That'd I'm be sure. great. That'd be a yeah, blast. we can probably work yeah. that out. All right. Thanks, buddy. All right, you bet. Yeah, this was great. You bet. Thank you. Oh.